I'm going to tell the story of the first uh, person I baptized in my first work as a, as a preacher. And he actually wasn't a member where I was. He didn't really live in the city that I was preaching, but I had a contact with him. His uh, girlfriend at the time was very good friends with my wife. And I was, I was friends with him also. And uh, he is someone who had tried to study with. They'd been dating for a long time and he hadn't seemed interested. And anyway, so, so I was asked if I could try to have a study with him and I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I was excited for the opportunity. And it ended up being one of the most unique studies I've ever had because we studied for a while and we kind of talked about just some of the major questions that he had. And we presented some things from the Bible and, and it was me and him and his girlfriend there. And after a study that maybe lasted 45 minutes to an hour, I told him what I think we ought to do right now is go over and baptize you into Christ. And he heard that and he sat there in silence as a minute passed and as two minutes passed and as three minutes passed. And we just kind of sat there in silence. And I was not about to break that silence because I knew that he was making, like he was having every important thought in his world like surround him right now. And so he was sitting there and his girlfriend kind of looked at me like, should we say something? I said, no, let's just be. And we sat there for about two hours in complete silence. I was just kind of looking at my feet, <laughs> you know, and then, it finally happened. He kind of had his head down in his hands and he said, let's do it. And he stood up and we, we went over and we baptized him. We got some people there. We baptized him right then. And uh, he has been a faithful Christian since that day. That was 14 years ago. And uh, anyway, that was, that was one of the most unique experiences. Just, it was a powerful silence that took place for about two hours during that study. And I'll always remember that. To be able to stay quiet for two hours is tough. You know, it was like tough. That. It was like, I didn't, I mean, it helped that you could tell he was thinking. So it's like, I didn't want to interrupt what he was right. going through, but, but, you know, it was just kind of trying to think of the right thing to do, but I figured I'll be as quiet as long as he is, as he's going through all of this. That's awesome. Yeah. You were like, you were sure he was awake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was, eventually the head was in the hands and he was just kind of thinking, <laughs> I was like, okay. Let's, I hope he's thinking about the study. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, tell us who you are, like your name, where you're from, and an and a interesting fact. Okay. Well, my name is Travis Bookout. I uh, have a wife, Lauren, two young boys, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. We live now in Monroe, not in Monroe, Louisiana. We lived in Monroe, Louisiana for about eight and a half years. And this year we moved to Maryville, Tennessee. We've been here since January. Um, I... An interesting fact, you know, I didn't realize it had to be interesting. I'm no, no. Hey, hey, you already said it. You were quiet for two hours waiting. Yeah, for was... <laughs> um, I, I do a podcast with my brother. It's called uh, The Open Book with Garrett and Travis. And so oh, cool. that's, that, that's, that's one thing. Yeah, my brother, he, he preaches for a church just a couple hours away from me here in Tennessee. We, we both ended up in the same area. And so, so we, we see each other from time to time and do a podcast together. That's cool. So you have a brother, uh, you're a podcast with your brother. That's really cool. And uh, I'll I'll make a note of that for the show, you know, so people can get that. So let's sure. let's let's get into the uh, the meat of the show here, which is the two to three points, like practical strategies and tips about what we can do to share our faith, and no matter who we are, like no matter what skills we have or whatever. Let's, so what do you got for us, Travis? Okay. The first one is, I don't know as much of it as it is a tip, as it is a fact, but one thing that I think is kind of foundational is it's hard to talk to others about something you're not excited about. When it comes to Jesus, having joy in your salvation, having an appreciation and a love for your church family, for where you go to worship, 
it makes it a lot easier to want to invite people to it. It makes it a lot easier to want to talk about, talk about Jesus, talk about his kingdom, to talk about the church and, and why it matters. So one thing I would say just kind of foundationally is try to spend some time gaining some appreciation for what other people do, for what you have as a community in Christ and for what Jesus has done for you. And a couple of practical things that have helped me when it comes to, to Bible studies, to, to evangelism. One thing is take the easiest shots first. So like the easiest people for me to set up Bible studies with are people who walk into the church building as visitors. If there's a visitor at the church building and they're already there and they already maybe know somebody or there's some sort of connection, one of the things that I do when I, when I introduce myself is I'll you know, tell them my name and everything, but I'll say, you know, I'm, one of the things I love doing is studying the Bible and I always like to do it with people. So if you, if you want to get together and study sometime, that's something I love doing. So yeah, I'm, I'm available for that. And most people will be like, oh, okay, nice, you know, and it could end right there. But one helpful next step is to say, can I have your phone number, you know, and try to actually see. And, and for the most part, uh, very rarely has anyone ever not said yes. A lot of the studies I've been able to set up, just the easiest way to do it is right there at the church building when someone's visiting, just tell them you like studying the Bible with people. If they ever want to, you're free. And, and a lot of times people will, will take advantage of that. So that's one thing. It's an easy way to set up a study. But number two, a way to, to do a study that I've started doing is instead of, and so with this, it kind of depends on the person you're talking to, where they are and what they want to know. So if someone has a specific thing they want to study, I'll study that. But if someone just is open to whatever, I like to start with actually just studying a book of the Bible rather than rather than me coming up with this creative step-by-step, -step, go to this first, to this first, to this first. I think people tend to trust it more when they're just going through the Bible and seeing what the inspired author said. And a book that I like to start with is John. Because John, right, by the, right at the end of the gospel, he says that these signs were chosen that you may believe and that believing you may have life in his name. So if John is right, you should be able to read that book and come away having life in Jesus. So to me, that makes it like the, an inspired evangelism tract that focuses so much on Jesus. But as you read through it, you'll realize that you get the story of the Old Testament uh, through a lot of the, the stories that are told. You get, I mean, messages about uh, baptism. You get messages about faith and what the, the call of Christ. And so I like to go through John. And one thing uh, that we'll cover here in just a little bit is the way that I kind of end that study that I think is helpful too. And then a third thing I would say is have people into your house. You know, even if it's not necessarily for a Bible study, if you want to get to that point, invite people over for a meal. You know, the one thing that my wife and I have done is we've had people over for meals and game nights. You know, we play some games, have meals, and you get to build some relationships that way. And, and so that's usually it's non-confrontational. And so people are much more willing to do it. It's enjoyable. So people are willing to do it. And once people know that you're actually a, a nice person who seems to care about them, they're much more willing to listen to you about spiritual matters. And you can play the game of life. And then when you get to the end, then you can be like, what's life about? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Other of you who are listening, if you're at work or something, anytime a conversation goes into something where you could talk about the Bible in a very comfortable, good way, you know, for them, for the person, not feeling like they're being attacked or whatever, then you can actually propose a Bible study, propose, come over for the game. Right. And then, they're, and then they're on the right footing. Yeah. So when I was, when I was 18, I had a brief job at a call center and half of my job was making cold calls to people. Like I was a telemarketer basically. And you would call people who did not want a phone call and you would try to sell them something. And most of them were mad at you. Yeah. Then the other job that I got at the same place was 
people got a, saw an advertisement and they would call you about it. And those calls were so much easier to make the sale. And I would say it's kind of similar. If you just go up to someone and you're cold calling, it's, it's less likely to be successful. Might happen right. sometimes. And so you never say never, like don't give up on it, but it's less likely. But if someone's already showing some interest, then, then it's just a whole lot easier to, to take advantage of that. So those are the ones that I try to emphasize as the ones that are most likely. If we look in the Bible, any of the gospels, Jesus never cold called anybody. You know, actually he got cold called by the Pharisees. They came in to eject into him all these challenges to him and that he came from Satan and all this other crazy stuff. And he would respond in kind. But most of the time he was out helping people. Like read through the gospel of Luke and just note all the time that Jesus teaches people while at dinner. So we talked about having dinner. I mean, that, that kind of structures the, the story of the gospel of Luke is meal after meal, after meal, after meal. And then when the church started, they dedicated themselves to meals. You know, they would, they were eating their bread daily. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I think, I think that's something that starts with Jesus that kind of continues on in the church and, and it's, it's, it's valuable for spiritual growth. If you're listening now and you thought I could never do evangelism, if you like to eat and you like the Bible, That's you can do evangelism. <laughs> awesome. Well, what, what do you got? Uh, what's the other story then? Let's go to story. Those are great, awesome points. And people are going to really benefit from those, I think, because they're practical. They're things they can apply now. So what's another story that you have for us? Yeah. So one of my very best friends, in fact, he, he he's a member of the church in Monroe now. Uh, we just got together with them this weekend in Atlanta. And we, we spent a weekend with some friends of ours, my wife and I did. He's a Christian. And when I first met him, he was not. And the story of him becoming a Christian is kind of similar to all the things that I just talked about. Uh, so what we started doing was uh, me and my wife and him and his girlfriend at the time, we would get together and we would have dinner and we would have a game night. And then we would, or actually we would, we would do dinner and then a Bible study. And then when the Bible study was over, we'd have game night. And so uh, we would do that maybe once a week or so. And we had a ton of fun doing that. That was, that was just, it was a blast. But then also we, we would, before the game night, we'd go through some study in the Bible. And we actually ended up doing several studies on different uh, topics and going through different books. But when he became a Christian, the first one that we did, it was the gospel of John. And so we just sat down and we'd get together and we would, I mean, it might be an hour or two, but we would read through it. We would talk about it and we would note important things kind of as we went through the gospel of John, but we let that guide our study rather than me guiding the study. It was, it was the gospel of John that guided our study. And I remember the, the final study, the concluding one, one thing that I tried to do to make it again, less confrontational, less like I'm focusing on him was the final study after we finished it. We asked the question, uh, who in the gospel of John had to do hard things? You know, just think about the people you meet who have appeared, who had to do difficult things. You can come up with quite a few. You know, Jesus had a very difficult decision. You know, that he had difficult things ahead of him. Peter had difficult decisions to make. And sometimes it seemed like he was going to do good. But then when the, when it came time for the crucifixion, Peter denied Jesus three times. Pilate had really difficult decisions and we know that he didn't end up making the right one, but there are some people who did end up making the right decision. You know, Nicodemus, you know, at least the trajectory of his life throughout John, he meets Jesus, then he stands up for Jesus. And then he ultimately goes to honor the body of Jesus. And so he did that. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple, but then he ended up publicly going and, and honoring Jesus. And so like, you see people who have difficult choices, whether you're talking about the blind man and John nine, or there's all of these people. Sometimes people make the choice for Jesus and they stand up for him, even when it's difficult, even when it's a hard thing to do. And some people, when it gets too hard, they back away. 
they betray, they deny, they sentence him over to death. And so what we concluded by saying was we want to do hard things for Jesus. And so all four of us who were there, me, my wife, his girlfriend and him, we kind of, I, I, I gave a challenge to each one of us. I gave a challenge for me to something to do that week for my wife, for his girlfriend and for him. And for him, what I challenged him to do was to right now, let's go and let's be baptized. And, and he thought about it and he decided to go ahead and do it. And, uh, and so we went, that was, it was a really exciting night, but, but that was something where we studied through a whole book of the Bible. We had, you know, game nights and we had dinner and we got to know each other really, really well. We've become like lifelong friends since that time period. And, and it was just a great example, I think of, of the power of the Bible to challenge us to make decisions, even when they're hard and to make the decisions that uh, we know we ought to make. That's good. So it's uh, the Bible's powerful and the word of God is cuts to the heart, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yes, sir. <laughs> going on that point, we're going to send everybody out now at the end of the end of the show. And what what's some words we can give people to encourage them to say, you know, like I would say, as Paul said, fight the fight, run the race. There's armor. There's a battle. You feel alive when you're fighting that battle. When, you, yeah. when you're exercise, I'll tell you what, when you exercise, it doesn't feel so good. But after you exercise, it feels great and your body feels great. I think that's what it's like uh, for evangelism. Uh, you, you, you might not realize what it's like because you've never had a Bible study. You never said the word Jesus in front of somebody. What do you think about? I, I think that's a really powerful point. You know, one of the things I said is kind of foundational is the more excited you are about your faith, about Jesus, about your church, the more excited you'll be. But one of the best ways to get excited is to talk to other people about Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. So it, it, it's kind of uh, cyclical in that you... You want to get excited to talk to people, but then once you talk to people, you get more excited. And the more excited you are, the more people you want to talk to. And so I would encourage you to do that. And one thing that I think about when I talk to people or, or when uh, any work for the church you're doing, when you read Luke and then you read the book of Acts, uh, and we kind of made a brief reference to it earlier, Jesus ate meals with people and then the church dedicates themselves to meals. If you remember Jesus while dying on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. In the book of Acts, as Stephen is about to be stoned, he says, Father, do not hold this sin against them. One of the things you can do is what Jesus does in Luke, you see the church doing in Acts over and over and over again. Jesus was this profound expositor of the scriptures of Israel in Luke, where the disciples seem to be clueless. But then you get to Acts, and all of a sudden, Peter and, and his disciples are like incredible Bible scholars, it seems like. And it, yeah. like the things that Jesus does, the church ends up doing. And what that tells me is, Jesus dying on the cross did not stop the ministry of Jesus. Jesus ascending into heaven did not stop the ministry of Jesus. His body, in fact, is still described as being here on earth, and we're it. We're the body yep. of Christ. We have a challenge to continue the ministry of Christ. So when, you're, when you talk to someone, it's not just you talking to someone. You're, you're continuing and joining and sharing in the very ministry of Jesus. That ministry of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, for, for three years in Galilee, you're joining in that and you're bringing it to a new person, to a new territory, to a new place. And that's an exciting thought to think that I'm doing what Jesus came to do. And I'm, I have fellowship with him in this moment as I share with his ministry. That's something that excites me about going out and talking to people. And it should excite everyone listening. Let's get out there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. We're all together and, uh, you know, life is short. So remember that tomorrow, we may not have tomorrow. And that uh, we all we have is today, and let's 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 be full of that fire. Thank you, Travis. Thank awesome. Thanks so for having me. I appreciate you being on the show, and I and I appreciate everybody listening. And I pray that you would all go out there 
make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded us. And he's with us always. That's the good news. Jesus is alive today. You've been listening to Be Brave. The world right now is a crazy place, and sharing the love of God is the most important thing we can do right now. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit up GoBeBrave.org. Remember, the love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. Learn how to love like Jesus. See you next time.